everyone. I want to welcome you all back to Hash It Out. This week, we're going to be talking about water pollution, climate change, and environmental justice. We're talking about climate strikes that have been happening all over the country for the past year, and what does environmental justice entail? As like the last episode, and like I said before in the last episode, I'm going to be joined by my fellow SJS scholars. This week's guest host is Oceanique. Hi, Oceanique. Hi. Um, How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? So if you want to give our listeners a bit of an um, introduction about yourself. All right. So I am in my third year here at IUPUI. I'm a second year scholar, so I've been in the program for about two years. My first year, I was a Shop Talk scholar, now known as Real Talk. Um, And this year, I am the marketing scholar. And I do a little bit of activism around campus as well as within my community. Yeah. So if any of you did not know from last semester, Oceanique was previously on the last, like the last two episodes when she did Tunnel Mm -hmm. and her room was on the criminalization of homelessness. We, I loved how the room turned out, by the way. It was so great. Thank you. So we're just going to get into it. So... When we talk about, like, environmental justice and climate change, mostly it's around, like, what's been happening around the country for, like, a long, like, time, but now it's really been brought to the forefront, so. And so I have some questions that we can discuss about. The first question is, like, discuss the history behind the environmental justice movement in the EPA. All right, um, I believe that... Environmental justice became like a bigger movement, like around 30 years ago, I yeah. would say. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was also included within the civil rights movement. Yeah, um, I definitely, I do remember like this book that I read in middle school. It was called A Silent Spring. Mm-hmm. And it was by, I think it was, I forget her name, but um, she was like an environmental activist. She was talking about how, um, a lot of like companies would dump and inv- like very toxic materials into rivers and streams, mm-hmm. and then like the I don't know if anyone knows about like the insecticide DET, 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 something like that um, was an insecticide that um, was supposed to be sprayed onto crops and stuff like that to like get rid of bugs and all this other stuff that worked, but then it kind of like completely destroyed a lot of ecosystems and stuff like that, especially with the bald eagle population. I don't know if anyone remembers that, but the bald eagle, uh, which is supposed to be a a symbol of American, you know, freedom and whatnot, um, actually almost went extinct in the 1970s. Um, And that was just because the amount of, like, insecticide in the air and, like, that would lead to, like, birth defects and, like all this other stuff with the bald eagle population. So their numbers started to plummet down. I did not know that. Yeah, it was crazy. It was really it was cra- crazy. It was, it was insane. Like We almost killed our symbol of freedom. Right. Or, yeah, like, we almost killed the bald eagle just for, you know, and for what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, the history behind that kind of, like, it kind of led to the, the introduction of the EPA, the Environ- Environmental Protection Agency, which was created by Nixon, I believe, in the 70s. Yeah. And that was supposed to mitigate and kind of litigate um, environmental issues within companies and stuff like that. And that was supposed to curtail kind of, like, this um, reckless 
endangerment of people and then like yeah something that i found out when i was writing a uh, article on water pollution here in Indianapolis. I found out that apparently uh, the ancient Greeks kind of already knew that the way that we were going with like chopping down trees and plowing the land, like they already knew about, they already kind of predicted like the humans' influence on the earth mm-hmm. and how that would impact long term. So it's really weird to see how we have that knowledge of ancient Greeks thinking that we would. Um, negatively impact the earth and still kind of not taking heed to that mm-hmm. so i found that like so interesting when i was writing my own article because like if you you if they knew then what we know now like they kind of predicted it it's like why didn't we why didn't we do something else right that's what i'm saying like if they already predicted stuff then mm-hmm. like all that you know what i mean um Something that's also pretty interesting is that um, the way that um, indigenous folks with indigenous nations um, all across the country often um, already practice sustainable living and and sustainable farming. And living with the earth, not just on the earth. Right. And really just the the start of that kind of um, jump really just like started with European colonization Mm -hmm. like the destruction of the land and like you know the indigenous nations and indigenous people who lived in this on the land were like completely almost decimated Mm -hmm. for these you know you know, white settlers come in. Like, we all know about Manifest Destiny. Yes. And, like, it just completely swept the entire land and practically almost decimated the entire, entire ecosystem with, like, you know, building and just, you know, war, disease, and all this other stuff. And thinking about um, how you said that indigenous people are already living sustainably, it's so weird to see that now we are trying to, like, well, why we? I mean, like, the Western... Uh, yeah, just like Westerners or whatever, how we're now trying to incorporate things when we call them new. Um, so, like, getting rid of, like, plastic bags and trying to reduce, like, our plastics and different things in recycling. And it's, like, indigenous people all over the world have already kind of mastered this. But, yeah, we're taking it and we're calling it new as of right now. Exactly. Like, we're just kind of, like, again, like, no pun intended, but we're recycling new ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, ideas that have already been used and we're just kind of recycling and being like, oh, this is just really new and stuff like that. I'm just like, no, it's not really that new because they've done it already. Yeah. So. So, like, the idea of in your, like, uh, grocery stores and farmer's markets, instead of having, like, food wrapped up in plastic, they'll wrap them up in, like, um, what's the thing that's, like, on the corn? Like a husk? Uh, yeah, like, they're wrapping it up in husk, and it's, like, that's already been done. But now right. we're just now doing it and we're calling it, like, this hipster idea. Right. Whole Foods, we're coming for you. <laughs> 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 no. uh, but, yeah, they, yeah, that, I, I didn't even, like, I knew about that sort of thing, but, like, I didn't know that was, like, actually, like, a thing. Like, no, it's actually a thing. <laughs> like, it's happening right now. Like, and right all now. of our, like, new farmer's markets that are popping up and different grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Like I I might that's I might do that, honestly. Like It is really cool, but imagine what what it could have been if we didn't call it like uncivilized and S word or whatever. Like just imagine if this was already implemented from the start. If we actually had well not we, if Europeans had actually took heed to what indigenous people were saying. Right. Yeah, that's wow. That's pretty interesting. 
So where does environmental issues often affect the most? <laughs> uh, black and brown people, you right? Know, indigenous people in their land, right? Um, I often notice, like, you know, where coal, like coal plants and pollution, often happen, are often happening in like working class neighborhoods where mm-hmm. the, primarily the population is black and brown folks. What actually happens is I took an urban, uh, what's it called? Urban city it was like a based on Indianapolis, but so what kind of happens is it's never actually intentional in the way that they first come about. Like, it's like, oh, this new plant, blah, 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 but then it goes bad and they eventually, like, uh, vacate it now. It's like an empty thing. And then Mm. they move into, like, different neighborhoods and it pushes brown and black people into, like, these vacated neighborhoods where, like, the power plants are and now they're, like, hazardous and poisonous and basically are already seeping into the water that's in the ground. Mm. And then they live there and then they complain about it. It's, like, their city, their mayor, their governor, and then nothing kind of happens. Um, and it's just, like, a never-ending cycle of basically, like, how we, how gentrification has been a topic base, um, lately. It's basically that and they get kind of, like, the leftover neighborhoods that are being vacated for a reason. Yeah. Um, actually, like, gentrification around, like, if we see it around Indianapolis, like, mm-hmm. a lot of folk, like, a lot of folks end up getting moved out, like, forcibly moved out yeah. of their neighborhoods and stuff like that to, like, build, like, um, luxury apartments and stuff like that for po- folks who are probably have more, who are probably more affluent, quote-unquote affluent. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And those often stay vacant for a long time because the rent is so high. And a lot of these folks often have to move into, like, have to move out somewhere. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, that's really damaging. And imagine, like, the construction around it. Like, that's not, Mm -hmm. that's got to be really damaging as well. Yep. And then they no longer think about the... Uh, neighborhoods that they kind of left behind. Mm-hmm. So the nose go down in property value, which is what causes brown and black people to move there. And then from there, it's like these places are basically like abandoned. There's no more treatment of the um, neighborhoods. And right. Um, something that like I read about the other day was something about like an event that happened in Pittsburgh or I think it was Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania or Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania Pittsburgh or Philadelphia I think it was during the 80s there was an event that happened that there was like an entire explosion of like a I think it was a coal plant and a lot of like the after effects of it, like the ash and the smoke and all this other stuff, mm-hmm. started seeping into the neighborhoods that would that was around the plant, and um, a lot of people got sick. Like, and again, like there were mostly those were working class neighborhoods, and the primary people that were affected were black and brown folks, mm-hmm. and they often, you know, got sick, often got. Like, bur- like, yeah, they got sick. They asthma and all this other um, health ailments and stuff like that. I think um, another thing, like, we should probably bring up is like um, the act of war as an environmental destructive <laughs> it force. Is. Um, we never have war on our own land, <laughs> right? 
it's always somewhere else. <laughs> it's always somewhere where it's often it's been colonized. <gasps> After colonization, it often goes through like a time period where like like there's trying to like get like try to. Um, heal from the after effects of colonialism and then there's political instability and then when kind of conflict breaks out the U.S. goes in and starts to like help them quote unquote help them and it's like they do more harm than good and one example one example I can think of is like um, during the Vietnam War um, the U.S. military had tried to snuff out um, the Viet Cong and in, when they did that, they hid in the jungles um, in Vietnam, and they used an insecticide called Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. It was a defoil... I think it was called a defoliator or something like that. It was supposed to completely, like, kill off all the trees and stuff like that. Um, what people didn't know about Agent Orange was that a lot of people got sick. It started going into the water sources. People started getting sick. A lot of kids and a lot of uh, children that were born after the Vietnam War and even to this day um, suffer from um, birth defects mm-hmm. from Agent Orange. Um the U.S. still hasn't taken responsible for that sort of thing, I believe. And, you know, like, Agent Orange basically ravaged the entire landscape, basically de- decimating entire acres of, of um, a forest. So, you know, if you didn't know that, you should probably know that now. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, new information to me. I remember hearing a little bit about Agent Orange, but it never went any further, and then I never uh, bothered to look it up, to be honest. Um, so that's something I like to do on my to-do list, is to look up Agent Orange and exactly what it did and to follow up on what you said. Yeah, um, it, it was, it was, yeah, it was probably one of the worst crimes that the U.S. probably has committed against people. That and, like, bombing, you know, entire cities to smithereens. <laughs> Uh, I'd say their list of crimes are long. <laughs> pretty long, pretty high. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, the third point is, like, climate change and the modern-day climate strike. Now, climate change has been, like, the big thing that's been going on in the last, probably, couple years or so. You know, we have certain presidents who say climate change isn't real and it's just a bunch of phony phony photoshopped images to prove it yeah it's like organizations that's their sole job to retract their statements that was really wild to me um when they were talking about the hurricane that was going to hit alabama i believe it was alabama Uh uh-huh and he was like it's not going to hit alabama and they were like yes it is and eventually they came out with a statement saying that they were wrong and that it wasn't gonna hit alabama it wasn't gonna hit alabama but it's literally their job and it's like hmm not to get off topic but that kind of like if you can make a national organization change like not their opinion but like change facts and to mislead uh the public that's pretty scary to me you see how like american like american uh, like administrations Mm -hmm. often treat people in like natural disasters i mean look at katrina where a lot of yeah oh my god imagine if we had social media when hurricane katrina happened 
It would have been crazy. There's literally still suffering the effects of that. Oh, yeah. Hurricane Katrina. And, like, a lot of people were not able to get out. And so a lot of people died. Like, a lot of people died in the disaster. And then a lot of suffered from the after effects of it. And the government didn't do anything about it. And I thought that was, like, I thought that was, like, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, we've seen around, like, Indianapolis, like, climate strikes and stuff like that. I was at one back in September. It was a youth climate strike um, where a lot of people from a lot of high schools and elementary schools and stuff like that came um, to the state house to demand, you know, um, to demand, like, better things on, you know, environmental details. And that was, like... It was a pretty big event, and a lot, and a lot of people got um, a lot of people um, came out to that sort of thing, and it was like mm-hmm. a huge event. Um, we've seen it around the country, we've seen it around the world. You know the the modern day climate strike thing. Um, I think it's about damn time that we have focused on climate change. Especially with all of the fires that are going on. Right, um, the bushfires in Australia. Yeah, in Australia. And then before that, it was in the Amazon. And. But, yeah, the Amazon, the bushfires, and mm-hmm. uh, the wildfires in California. Um, yeah. The destruction in the Amazon rainforest, which was like a, a, an attempt by the government, by the Brazilian government under their um, new. Um, uh, their new president, um, I think his name is Bolsonaro or something like that. Something like that. Um, yeah, so he basically, he basically tried to, like, cut down, like, like the, uh, forest for, um, farmland. Bolsonaro, yeah. yeah. So that was a thing that happened. Um, the modern day climate strike has really just like blown up in the last couple of years. I think it's just thanks to social media. Like a lot, we know of these things that are happening um, around the world, and you know, activism often grows out of that. So the next question is opinions on Greta Thunberg and her rise as a climate activist. What do you think? I think what she's doing is really great, but mm. I it. It's very disheartening that 10, 12, 13-year-olds feel like it's up to them to lead the movement. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like that a kid shouldn't have to do that. It's great that they are doing that, but they shouldn't have to. And also, I am also very worried about the exploitation or just as like a child. Uh, we know that here and especially America, like she's not from America. So here in America, we are very exploitive of children here, especially mm-hmm. in the industry. And yeah, I just feel like she and like many other child activists are going to be exploited. Yeah, um, I've seen her rise as climate activist with like in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Again, I think it's great what she's doing and stuff like that. However, I do, again, like you said before, I do agree with that. Like, I worry about like whether or not she's being exploited by like other people and NGOs and stuff like that. Um, she, I feel like, yeah, I feel like she shouldn't have to take the burden of that, but. You know, again, like who's gonna like who's gonna do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So, and also, she got, like, a lot of crap in the media. Like, they were making fun of her and stuff like that. Of a kid. Yeah, because she, I believe she's, uh, yeah, I believe she's autistic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, she, she, yeah, she's autistic. And a lot of people were making fun of her for, like, being, like, shy, withdrawn, you know, that sort of thing when she was literally nervous and stuff like that. Um, I thought that was so ridiculous. Like, how are y'all going to come after a child? A child. A child. Who's doing more than what, than you've ever done, you know? Right. It's like, y'all are scared. Because I got to say, at her age, I was not, (laughs) I was not doing this. I was not at the level that I am currently at in. Right. I just feel like there's no room for you to talk down on, like, a child anyway, but especially a child that is doing so much at a young age. Right. They were, like, making fun of her. I'm just like, y'all are just a bunch of bullies. Mm-hmm. Like, you're all, you're not, you're nothing better than a schoolyard bully. And that's just mm-hmm. basically on that. Like, yeah. And I do have to say that, um, not, like, towards her, but, like, surrounding her about how the media has quickly swept her up and embraced her activism. Not, like, at first, like, to say that they did make fun of her. Um, mm-hmm. But now it's, like... What she's saying is more widely received when there have been many child activists of color who have had Miller messages like uh, Little Miss Flint, Marley Copeland. Mm-hmm. She's literally been doing this since she was like, what, eight? Yeah. And I think she's like, um, I think it's been six years, eight plus six. I can't do math. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, do the math at home. Um, I was reading. But, oh, yeah, go ahead. Like Flint still doesn't have clean water. And it's not to say that people are doing things now because of Greta, but it's like they're white, like they're more receptive of the message because Greta is white, and I think that's a really important conversation to have. That is not, uh, yeah, I agree. That is an important conversation to have. I was reading something online, and like apparently a lot, like a news source, I think it was like BBC or whatever, mm-hmm. got a lot of flat for um, apparently they cut out like it was AP. Or, yeah, the the Associated Press had gotten a lot of flack for um, cutting out an activist who... A Ugandan activist. Yeah. Uh, her name is Vanessa Nakate. I am probably saying the last name wrong. But yeah, her name is Vanessa. She's a Ugandan activist. Yeah, she, they, they got a whole lot of flack for it. And she was like, you know, this is kind of... Basically, she, I'm paraphrasing, but, like, she they basically, she was basically like, you know, this is kind of bullcrap, you know. Mm-hmm. Why am I getting cut out with, you know, the, a bunch of these other people? Yeah. Like, why am I? That, again, that, that's, a, that, again, that's another important topic to, like, discuss. Um, where does ki- climate change originate? Um, this might be a little self-explanatory and maybe a little bit rhetorical, mm-hmm. but companies, mass corporations... Um, a lot of people are going to be mad when I say this, but the U.S. military <laughs> is a big polluter, um, dumping like jet fuel, and again, like I said, war in and of itself is a big um, contributor to climate change. Um, yeah, it's literally like if you just think back to in your history classes when you learned about the industrialization era. It's basically like it started then because they didn't have the proper practices of the buildings and the uh, businesses that they were not businesses, but like production companies that they were trying to have. And Uh they just were trying to also mass um, do things because at the time we were in uh, 
It was more than a depression. Like, we were also rationing out food at the time. So, like, there was, like, a lot of production trying to happen to make the economy go up. Right. And so, basically, like, we could just think back to then. Think about, like, oh, we still don't have the proper prices now to where to... uh, dump our trash and recycle things and everything. So imagine back then when things were just starting to pop up. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Possible solutions to environmental, um, possible solutions to help um, environment. Listen to indigenous people. Yes, please do. They got, like, they got knowledge, and I feel like a lot of people should take, like, note of that. Mm-hmm. Um, in individual consumption, like, if you're trying to limit down your individual consumption with, like, not using, like, disposable straws, uh, disposable bags, etc., that's great. Um, but I'd, I'd go as far as arguing, like, your individual consumption is not as much of a cause as... As, like, these big corporations are, right? Say that. Say that. They are mass-producing a lot of things, things that we don't even know about, things that we don't even think about. And it's honestly up to them. If you attack people for their individual consumption, like, there's this thing where we always, like, we as the public, we do have responsibility. I will say that we do have responsibility. We should be more careful. We should be more mindful and considerate and taking care of the earth. Um... But it's really these big corporations that we need to tackle. When you come at individual people, it's more of just like a one-on-one thing versus like us versus like the corporation. Right. I feel like I feel like a lot of people like try to nitpick and like mm-hmm. try to police people for like, oh well, you're using a straw or blah blah that's yeah. that. I'm like just, we like, have restaurants denying people straws right now. You do not know someone's dietary restrictions. You do not know what they need in their daily life to do anything so you as a waiter do you like i would do not want to have the power to be denying people things they need to eat like or like a lot of people a lot of disabled people use straws like Mm -hmm. disposable straws because like Like imagine having to prove that you're disabled while you're just going out to eat Right, like that's so annoying. That is absurd. And like a lot of people like will say, "Well, alternative straws help." I'm like, "No, not really, because um, pasta straws break, mm-hmm. and that can get lodged in people's throats." Um, the metal straws are just awful. I know the that's metal straws are just that we are going towards, but it's so hard to get anything through those straws. They're hard, difficult to clean, and to like manage upkeep. Also, I think they're awful. Also, drinking hot liquids—that's gonna burn somebody. Because <laughs> if anyone doesn't know, metal conducts heat. It sure does. <laughs> so. I don't know how, like, y'all are going to drink out of this. I don't know how y'all expect people to drink out of this if, like, if we're trying to drink hot liquids Mm -hmm. and we're getting burned on the mouth and you're just like, well, I don't know why I just that. I'm just like, I don't know. (laughs) Um, I'm just like, like, I don't know. Plastic, plastic straws help drinking liquids and all this other stuff. I don't know. I, I don't feel like that should be like a, like a, like a determinant of being like oh well, um, you have to abide by these rules and then mm-hmm. I'm like no no or bring your to. own straws I'm like why why no, should no. I have to we need to get onto these corporations and like have them figure out a different way to produce straws a more recyclable way to reduce straws they have the knowledge they have the resources like please do not think 
that the way that they are doing something right now is because it's the only way to do it. No, right now it's probably the cheapest way to do it. Exactly. And that's why we need to attack the corporations. Attack the corporations and get on the U.S. military because they're doing that yes. stuff too. And, and yeah. listen to indigenous people. They, yes. Trust me, they know what they're talking about. Right. <laughs> they just do. Exactly. All right. So I guess that kind of wraps up our thing. Oceanique, I want to thank you so much for being my guest host this week. Um, I really appreciated your insights, and I'm pretty sure other people are going to appreciate that as well. So, um, I want to thank all of you for listening, and we'll be back in another two weeks with another episode, so stay tuned for that. Mm